Pastor Stuart McClellan from the Altoona Bible Church greeting you. The warm-hearted church with a heartwarming message, the family church. In light of the coronavirus pandemic, we'll be bringing you a special resurrection service. Sing with us, pray with us, and follow the message in God's Word. Today is not Easter Sunday, but Resurrection Sunday. This is the day that the Bible-believing Christians throughout the world celebrate the bodily resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ and His victory over death. As a community, a county, a state, a country, as the world together we battle the coronavirus pandemic, there is the hope, the Christian hope of the gospel and the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ. May the truth of God's Word, the truth of the Gospel, the truth of the resurrection of Christ bring us true joy, true peace, true hope, and comfort during these difficult times. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. The inspiring hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, was based upon Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. What word do you see in the title of the God-inspired book of Lamentations? It is the word lament, lamenting. And the word lament means to feel or express sorrow, to mourn for or over. Jeremiah, the city of Jerusalem, were experiencing difficult times as the city of the nation was attacked and destroyed by the invading Babylonian soldiers. Jerusalem, the city of God, the city that God has placed His name on, the Jewish temple and the wall were destroyed by the invading Babylonian army. Get amidst all that destruction. Despair, even the laughter of the invading army, Jeremiah, God's prophet, God's inspired word, we're all about God's mercies and God's compassion and God's faithfulness. May all true Christian believers in the United States and throughout the world look to God for His peace, His comfort, His faithfulness during these difficult times with the coronavirus pandemic. Truly continue to be praying for our country, to be praying for each other, be praying for our missionaries. And truly may the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ just encourage us today. The choir will open our service by singing one day.
And now Scott Delosier will come and sing, Because He Lives, Amen. I believe in the risen one I believe I overcome By the power of His blood Amen, amen I'm alive, I'm alive because He We now have Jeremy Hetrick playing on the trumpet this beautiful song, Holy, Holy, Holy. Thank you. 
Here now is Joshua and Stephanie McClellan singing Hallelujah for the Cross. Now we have the choir coming to sing. Hallelujah! What a Savior!
I want to thank our musicians and singers for providing us with such beautiful and Christ-centered music. Our sermon topic is the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter number 19, verse 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. The burial of the Lord Jesus Christ was miraculous, divine, and under the providential care of God. What could the Romans have done with the body of the Lord Jesus Christ? The Romans, customarily, did nothing more than throw the body of the criminals into the pits to be burned or eaten by scavengers. Just think about the timeline of the death and the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. The cross to his death, 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The burial has to take place before, th- between 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. Why? Because after 6 p.m. would begin a new day for the Jewish people. Their time was calculated, reckoned from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. And not like Roman time or American time where you're talking about 12 midnight begins a new day. If the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified on Wednesday, 6 p.m. would become Thursday. And that would have been a high Jewish Sabbath. If the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified on Friday, as tradition teaches, 6 p.m. would become Saturday, the weekly Sabbath. Personally, I believe the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified on a Wednesday and not a Friday. And we will later look in the book of Luke and talk about the ladies and their testimony indicates this. Let's study and look at four different groups or individuals and look at their reaction toward the Lord Jesus Christ following his death. The groups include in the individuals, the 11 apostles, the ladies, Joseph, Nicodemus, the Pharisees, the priests, the Roman soldiers, those 16 who guard the tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ. The 11 apostles, Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and James, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the brother of James. Where are the eleven apostles? We know that the apostle John was standing by Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, when the Lord was being crucified, John nineteen twenty six and 27. But where are they now? When he was buried, they were not there. They were not to be found. Two disciples humanly responsible for the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ were Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Matthew chapter 27, verses 57 to 60. Mark 15, 42 to 46. Luke 23, 50 to verse 54. And John chapter 19, verses 38 to 40. Whose names don't you see in helping the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ? His apostles. Where are you, Peter? Where are you, James or Andrew or Philip or Thomas or Bartholomew or James or Simon the Zealot or Judas, the brother of James? Where are you? They were not there because it was Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Think upon some of the personal characteristic traits of Joseph of Arimathea. He was a rich man, he was a secret disciple of the Lord for the fear of the Jews. 
He was an honorable counselor. He waited for the kingdom of God. He was a good and just man. And he consented not with the Sanhedrin. You might be thinking, why is it so important that Joseph of Arimathea was rich? Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 9, And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. It fulfilled the Bible prophecy from Isaiah. Matthew chapter 27, verse 60, And he laid him in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock, and rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulchre and departed. The sepulchre was close by the place of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's providential care. Why? Because when you understand and under-realize and and see that Christ is on the cross between 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock, and then he dies. He died for the sins of the whole world. He cries out, "It it is finished. To tell us die, it's been paid in full. You now have a three-hour window, really T-minus three hours, for the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, you have to have permission. Joseph of Arimathea is going to seek permission. We'll talk about that. that. There's God's providential care. Some of the characteristic traits of Nicodemus. This is the same Nicodemus, the same individual who would come to the Lord Jesus Christ by night in John chapter 3. He was a Pharisee. Joseph's part of the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. He boldly approached Pilate. And he begged, he craved for the body of Christ. Even though he had no personal right to the body of Christ. And again, it's, it's not the apostles. It's Joseph Arimathea. And he's rich and he has a sepulchre right close by. Pilate then gave the physical body of Christ to Joseph. In fact, when you read the accounts, I would encourage you to read the accounts. Pilate's even surprised that he's dead. He's got to get confirmation and think about the technology back then. It's not like where they have cell phones and can make this communication. So there's a lot going on in that window of those three hours. And then we see that the Pilate granted the body and gave the physical body to Joseph. He wrapped the body of Christ in a clean linen cloth. He laid the body in his own tomb. He rolled the rock in place to protect the body of Christ. Nicodemus's part in the burial of Lord Jesus Christ. He brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes. He helped Joseph wrap the body of Christ with the fine linen, myrrh, and aloes, and that would add a lot of weight to the body of Christ. What about the testimony of the ladies? Matthew chapter 27, verse number 61. Mark 15, 47. Luke 23, verses 54 to 56. The ladies watched, but they did not participate in the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they were watching. And listen to their testimony. I'd like to read verse Luke chapter 23, verses 54 to verse 56. And that day was a preparation. And the Sabbath drew on. And the ladies also which came with him from Galilee followed after, and they beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. Listen. And they returned. And they prepared spices and ointments, and they rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. And you might say, so 
What's so significant? Look at their testimony. Luke 23, 54, the Sabbath drew on. What Sabbath? You can read John 19, 31. Then verse 56 says they prepared spices and ointments and then rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. What Sabbath day? That would have been the weekly Sabbath. That would have been Friday to Saturday. And notice they prepared the spices and ointments first and then rested. If Christ was crucified on a Friday and if the weekly Sabbath was from Friday 6 p.m. to Saturday 6 p.m., how could they prepare spices and ointments and then rest the Sabbath day according to the commandment? It's very clear. Again, Friday, they talk about Good Friday. That, that's all according to the tradition of man and not after the word of God. And then think, so, so we see the ladies, they're doing this out of love. The Pharisees and the chief priests. They have acts of hypocrisy. Matthew chapter 21, verse 45, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. If the chief priests were Sadducees and part of the Sanhedrin, how would this validate an act of hypocrisy? Because the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate. Matthew chapter 27, verse 62. And the next day that followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate. John chapter 18, verse 28 and 29. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment. And it was early, and they themselves went not in the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but they might eat the Passover. And then Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusations bring ye against this man? How is this a deed of hypocrisy? Well, again, the Pharisees and the Sadducees do not agree theologically. Matthew chapter 22, verse 15, Then went the Pharisees, and they took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And we know in Matthew chapter number 22, with the Herodians, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they, they were Jews. They didn't get along theologically, but they agreed to come together to try to entrap Christ in his talk. And then Matthew 27 with John ch- chapter 18, verses 28 and 29. We see that they came together to talk to Pilate, and they didn't want to defile themselves, so they went not in the judgment hall. Yet later, remember, and we can show you this, that the, the Lord Jesus Christ is crucified he then is put in the sepulcher by 6 p.m. The first night, there, there are no guards. It's the next day where Pilate meets with these chief priests and the Pharisees. That, that's hypocrisy. They're, they're a bunch of hypocrites. And then we see their, their act of hatred. They call the Lord Jesus Christ that, that deceiver. It was the Pharisees and the chief priests, and this is Matthew chapter 26, verse 62 and 63. It was the Pharisees and the chief priests who recalled the words Lord Jesus Christ concerning his resurrection. His, his own disciples didn't. They're, they're, de- they're defeated. They're not anticipating resurrection. You go to the verse of Scripture, I like to read from John chapter number 2. John chapter number 2 where they were seeking a sign. 
Verse number 18 says, Then they answered the Jews and said to him, What sign showest us, seeing that thou doest these things? And Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Of course, he's talking about the temple, his body. You destroy, he's literally saying, You destroy the temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was the temple and building. They're, they're thinking he's talking about the physical building, the, the temple, the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. Because this would have been before it was destroyed by Titus, the Roman general in 70 AD. Forty-six years was this temple building. You're going to rear it up in three days, but he spake of the temple of his body. Verse 22, listen to these words. When therefore he was risen from the dead, when he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the words which Jesus had said. It was after the resurrection. Well, you look back and deal with Matthew chapter 27, you will see in Matthew chapter 27, you will see the issue that they came and they went to talk to Pilate. And this is Matthew chapter 27, verse 62, down through verse number 66. The first night, there's no guards. They go the next day. One day they don't want to go into the judgment hall, then they're going to go and and talk to him. Act of hypocrisy, act of hatred, because in Matthew chapter 27, verse 63, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will raise again. They remembered it. His own disciples didn't remember until after resurrection. And they're the ones who then ask for the Roman guards. Verse 64, Command therefore the sepulchre be made sure to the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say that the people is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. And that's their act of hatred, because they call him that, that deceiver. Matthew 16, verse 1 says, And the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting him, desired that he would show them a sign from heaven. Verses 2 through verse 4, he answered and said to them, When it's evening, you know it will be fair, whether for the sky is red. In the morning it will be foul, whether today for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, ye hypocrites! You can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. There shall be no sign given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. And the sign of the prophet Jonah is three days and three nights. And you don't get three days and three nights from a Friday afternoon crucifixion or a Friday crucifixion. It's talking about a Wednesday. The Pharisees and the chief priests hated the Lord Jesus Christ. And their hatred toward the Lord Jesus Christ, obviously you have the... conclusion with the crucifixion but now it's going to be focused on the disciples who are now preaching in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ what about the Roman soldiers, the Roman guards during the first night as I said, following the death of Christ, there's no Roman soldiers there there's no one out the, the, the 11 apostles are not there guarding his sepulcher, the sepulcher of the Lord Jesus Christ absolutely went unguarded and it's the unbelieving chief priests and Pharisees who come to Pilate demanding, and we read that in Matthew 27. Go back and read that. Demanding that he send Roman soldiers to guard the sepulcher of Christ. 
And recall, it's the unbelieving chief priests and Pharisees who remembered his word about resurrection and not his disciples, not his apostles, not the ladies. The guarding of the sepulcher of Christ was an act of man perpetrated by their total hate, their total hatred and total contempt for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Roman soldiers made the sepulcher sure. What did they do? Sealing the stone, setting a watch. And the object of sealing the stone was to restrain anyone from altering or tampering with the tomb's contents. A seal was a condition of authenticity. The seal of the sepulcher of Christ was public proof of his body was behind the stone. And now the sepulcher and its contents, humanly speaking, humanly speaking, were being protected by Rome. And we see this with Daniel in the lion's den, the seal, Daniel 6, 17. In Revelation chapter 7, it's the 144,000 are sealed. There's a seal upon Satan, Revelation chapter 20, and he goes in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. And of course, over in the book of Ephesians. And the word seal here is the same word in Matthew 27. It's, just, it's the same word that's used over in Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, I like to read verses 12 and verse 13. That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And the point from the original Greek is that literally upon your belief, you believe immediately you're sealed. That after is to show you got to believe first. The unsaved are not sealed with the Holy Spirit. you got to believe first, and literally upon your belief, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And the number of Roman soldiers guarding the sepulcher would have been 16. Not one, not two, not three, but 16. And we see this from Acts chapter 12, verse number 4. And when he apprehended him, he put him in prison, delivered him to four quartirians of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. That's a group or set of four persons or things. Four of the soldiers would have been guarding the entrance and the other 12 soldiers would have been close by in a semi-circle. They would have worked four hours on duty, 12 hours off, rotating shifts about every four hours during the day and night. And these Roman soldiers were well-trained, well-disciplined. They were a fighting machine. Matthew 27, verse 41, Likewise also the chief priests mocking him, This is talking about the cross with the scribes and elders and said, verse 42, he saved others himself he cannot cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. The Lord Jesus Christ did not come down because he knew that he was going to fulfill the Father's will by dying. Dying for the sins of the world and then crying out and saying, it is finished. But later, the Lord Jesus Christ gave them something far greater. And that would be his resurrection. And they still refused to believe. When the angel of the Lord appeared, 
the Roman soldiers were afraid and became as dead men. Matthew 28, verse number 4. Why was the reaction of the soldiers so interesting? Because these men were military. These were Rome's finest fighting machine. And they became as dead men. And what's the attitudes of the individuals or groups? Well, the 11 apostles are totally absent. Except for what you read in John 19 dealing with John being at the cross. The apostle John being at the cross when the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. Afterwards, they're they're totally absent. The ladies, what what they did. Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, loving. The Pharisees, the priests, the chief priests, hatred and hypocrisy. The soldiers, that was this was just a duty to guard the entrance, to guard the sepulchre. The soldiers who break the legs of the two thieves on the left and right hand side of Christ. And when they came to Christ, they saw that he was dead already. It was just duty. There was an indifference. What additional words could we use to describe the Roman soldiers, the 16 Roman soldiers who guarded the sepulchre? They were bribed, extortioned, hush money, payoff, false witnesses, erroneous, really co-conspirators, fictitious. Let's think of some questions here. Why was the stone rolled away? It was not rolled away for the resurrected body of Lord Jesus Christ to escape, to leave the sepulchre, the tomb, but rather it was rolled away so that his disciples could enter the sepulchre to see the empty tomb and to see the grave clothes and see the grave clothes in perfect condition and they knew. Read the account in John 20 with Peter and John. Which group became the first to teach an alternative theory? to the resurrection of Christ? The chief priest? Oh, his disciples stole the body while the Roman soldiers slept. And that's what they wanted the Roman soldiers to spread among the people. That was an alternative theory. That's why I said before, what words could you use upon the Roman soldiers? They were co-conspirators. That's not what happened. They knew that didn't happen. Otherwise, they would have been found guilty of derelict of duty. We'll talk about that. Why didn't the ladies really think about it? What didn't the ladies really think about when they were approaching the sepulcher of the Lord Jesus Christ? After they made the ointments and spices and rest of the Sabbath day, when they approached the sepulcher, they never thought about who would roll away the stone. They did the ointments and spices because of love and devotion to the Lord. And the Roman soldiers had left by this time. When the women saw the stone rolled away, what did they think? They thought someone stole the body. What was their emotion as they initially arrived at the sepulchre? It would have been fear. Why is it so important and significant that ladies be held where the sepulchre of the Lord Jesus Christ was located? So they didn't go to the wrong sepulchre, the wrong tomb. And this is, this is one of the false theories that has been propagated down through time. All the ladies were, you know, just caught up in this emotion and they went to the wrong sepulcher. 
No, no, the Bible tells us they beheld the sepulcher. That is, they beheld where it was so they knew where to return. Why did the ladies return and prepare spices to anoint the body of Christ? Because there's something they saw with Joseph and Nicodemus. And they wanted to further anoint the body. Who told the woman that the Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? The angel. Why did Mary Magdalene run from the sepulcher? Because she saw the stone rolled away. Where did she go? She ran to talk with and tell Peter and John about the Lord. The angel Lord never talked with the Roman soldiers, nor did the Roman soldiers talk with the women. Some of the 16 Roman soldiers went to Jerusalem. And where did they go to? They reported the chief priests and they told them what had happened. And the chief priests and the elders of Israel met, which would have been the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin consisted of 70 men. What was their threefold decision? Their threefold decision was they brought, they bribed the Roman soldiers and guards. They told the Roman soldiers to spread the lie. That's why I said they're co-conspirators. They're, they're false witnesses. The lie was his disciples stole the body while we slept. How did they, if they were sleeping, how would they have known it was disciples? And if you want to say his disciples came by night and stole the body while we slept, how did 11 of these disciples, who you don't see anything about, attack and try to move this massive stone out of place to go into the tomb to remove the body while there are 16 Roman guards right there. The Jewish leaders then promised protection to the Roman soldiers. Matthew chapter 28, verses 13 through verse 15. Saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this... That, that those false lies come to the governor's ear, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money. They were bribed. They, they took this money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews unto this day. Because there are people today who believe the disciples stole the body and then presented Christ as resurrected. What does it mean, Abon, in verse 14, if this comes to the governor's ear, we will persuade him and secure you. If the disciples stole the body, the Roman guards, those 16 Roman guards, were derelict in their duty. They were derelict. What should have happened to them? They should have been killed immediately. History records that they should have been stripped of their clothes and burnt alive. Why weren't they? Because the chief priests went to the governor and told them, the truth. Look and think upon the emotional changes. And just think upon this for a moment. Some of these chief priests were the ones who said, you go back to that verse when he's on the cross, if you will come down, we will believe. The Lord Jesus Christ is God. Again, man looks on the outward, God looks on the inward. He knew what their hearts were, and if he would have come down, it would have stopped what? His death. What does the writer of Hebrews tell us in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And yet later he gives them the resurrection, the empty tomb, the only answer. Because if they stole the body, just think upon this. If they would have stole the body, 
then you ask the question about the grave clothes. If they stole the body, the grave clothes should have been with him then, and there would have been nothing in the sepulcher. And that could have been easily proven by the Roman soldiers, by the chief priests, by the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin. If they stole the body but left the grave clothes behind, and the grave clothes, again, is not how we, we bury. He was wrapped, as we said, read the Bible, in fine linen. They would have had to unwind him. Go over and read John chapter 11. And, and think about the difference between Lazarus when the Lord Jesus Christ raised Lazarus from the dead and the Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection. Read, read John 11. Go over there and find out and see what the Word of God says. I'll give you and read a few verses of Scripture here for you. What a wonderful contrast. We know that Lord Jesus Christ then raised Lazarus from the dead. In verse 43, and when he thus spoke and he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He identified who he wanted. If he would have said, come forth, it's clearly believed and understood that anyone who had died up to that point in time would have been raised. Verse 44 says, and he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with the grave clothes and his face was about with a napkin. And then what did Christ say? The word of God goes on. Then Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. See, when the Lord Jesus Christ was raised, no one had to loose him. Those grave clothes were in perfect condition. The Lord Jesus Christ, as it were, stepped through those grave clothes. And if his disciples stole the body, they would have had to unwind those and they would have been in a pile in the, in, in the sepulcher, a mess. And go over and read John chapter 20, the witness of Peter and John when they go into the sepulchre and what they see. The word of God is so marvelous, so beautiful. Why don't people just believe it? Well, it's like today. 21st century America, 21st century world, people try to come up with all these various theories. We never really died or his disciples stole the body or the ladies went. No, he was resurrected. And just think about the emotional change of the disciples on the day of the bodily resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ. They had unbelief upon the resurrection. And then, and fear, and, and despair, because they thought he was the Messiah, and he, w- he was dead, and yet on resurrection, it turns and changes, the, when they understand it, to joy, to worship, to hope. What's your opinion, and your view, and your understanding about the empty tomb? 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If the hope that we have in Christ is limited to and defined by, by the parameters of our life in this world and by our breath in this world, we have nothing. We are of all men most miserable. And don't you love the following verses of Scripture, verses 20 to 22. But now is Christ risen from the dead? And become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die. Even so in Christ. In Christ. That's our position when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. Shall all be made alive. The message today. On resurrection. Resurrection Sunday where we celebrate the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the message is just very clear.
to the saved. We rejoice in the empty tomb. We serve a risen Savior. I think of the hymn, He Lives, stanza one. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. And the chorus goes on to say, He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. We rejoice. And remember, if you read 1 Corinthians 15, that great resurrection chapter, and go back to the first question in verse number 12, what we find out and see, that our resurrection and Christ's resurrection is interlocked, it's interconnected. Simply put, the Lord Jesus Christ was raised. That's what we celebrate. The risen Lord Jesus Christ, the empty tomb. Because He was raised, we shall be raised. And because we will be raised, the Lord Jesus Christ was raised. What a glorious God that we serve. What a glorious message we have. Victory over death to the unsaved. We know that these are trying times in our country and throughout the whole world. Maybe you're in despair, distraught what's going on. Again, with COVID-19 pandemic, it, it reminds us of the frailty, how fragile human life is. What James tells us, that our life is but a vapor, it's here and gone. If you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, He's your personal Savior. If you are trusting your religion, if you're trusting good works, trust in giving money to God or just praying I leave you with a thought where will your death lead you do you know where it will lead you can you answer that? how would you answer that what does a person need to do to go to heaven Acts chapter 17 verse 31 says because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men, and that he raised him from the dead. Do you realize today, the empty tomb is a witness to the believers that we will be raised, and it's a witness to you if you're unsaved, that there is a coming day of judgment. And that coming day, read it in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 to 15, the great white throne judgment. That judgment is not to decide if you're going to heaven. That judgment is according to your works and you're going to an eternal separation, the eternal hell, the second death. The only way of salvation is by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So yes, the country is going through horrible times. Times uncharted that we've never experienced. I know I haven't. The only way of salvation My prayer is that many people will turn to God and look to the Lord and understand what He has done for them and that by simple faith, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Won't you right now, right where you're at, never trusted Him. Trust Him right now. The Lord died on the cross for your sins and that by simple faith acknowledge that you're a sinner and Christ came into the world to die for you. 
And trust and believe that God will save you. He will seal you. And because of that resurrection of Christ, one day Christ will raise you and change your body and fashion your body, your, your vile body. Read this in Philippians 3. He will fashion your vile body and it's going to be fashioned like unto the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ died once. He was buried once. He was raised once. Never, ever, ever to die again. If you think about Lazarus, he got something really special. He got life again. But Lazarus later died because Lazarus was not in a glorified body. He, that's why they had to unloose him from his grave clothes. The Lord Jesus Christ steps through those grave clothes to leave him behind in perfect condition. Again, showing proof of his resurrection. Oh, what a glorious God truly we serve. He does live today. He can live in your life if you will simply trust and believe Him as your personal Savior. And for us believers, again, we have the Bible. Stick to the Bible. The Word of God is a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path, and it gives us the answers that we stick to it and we follow it and we exalt and honor God for who He is and for everything that He truly, truly has done for us through Christ. You have been listening to the Altoona Bible Church. We trust that you've received a real spiritual blessing from this service. It is our prayerful desire that you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So until we meet again by radio, this is Pastor Stuart McClellan from the Altoona Bible Church wishing you God's best for now and for out all eternity.